Sandy Duncan. But then who are you? More important, sir, who are you? A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through an episode from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is Andy Germuga, one of the co-hosts of the podcast can I Kick It, a wonderful, a wonderful podcast about film festivals and just a generally nice guy. And he's here with me this week to talk about the new Scooby-Doo movies, Season 1, Episode 7, Sandy Duncan's Jekyll and Hyde. Andy, welcome to the show. Ethan, thank you and a hearty zoinks to you. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, Andy. Yeah. I like to start out by asking my guests um, what their favorite cartoons were as a child. As a child. Were you a cartoon kid? Yes. Yes. Um, well, okay. So, I mean, I guess like growing up, we never had cable. So we were sort of, uh, you know, it was a lot of like what was on Fox Kids or what was on like one Saturday morning on ABC. So, like, very early on, I remember watching uh, Bobby's World and Life with Louie on Fox. Um, those weird vanity projects for comedians to, um, to uh, you know, uh, write their childhoods as uh, cartoons for some reason. Um, yeah. I remember I was also very big into the, uh, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Um, and then sort of as time went by, yeah, sort of getting into like, yeah, the the one Saturday morning of it all, the, the you know, Pepper Ann and the, um, the Weekenders and Recess and all that sort of stuff, uh, liked, liked all that very much. And then, you know, you know, cartoons were really like my bridge to adult content because um, I do sort of remember like, you know, getting into like when I was like getting around double digits, like being allowed to occasionally watch The Simpsons or King of the Hill in yeah. syndication and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I do really like uh, cartoons and animation, and I, I do sort of see them as, like, they are the things that sort of introduced me into more uh, well-made content, certainly, than uh, yeah, the I was, standard stuff. I was in a similar place, like, going from Phineas and Ferb and the Looney Tunes show to, uh, mm-hmm. to The Simpsons did definitely, like make that bridge possible for me as you're saying yeah and also you know you talking about this uh made me realize that when i like when i was a kid we also did not have uh cable mm-hmm. so when i would wake up early in the i wake up every saturday morning super excited to watch mm-hmm. kids wb yeah and mostly because half of it was scooby-doo and i think oh. that that might be like in a a reason that that it stuck around with me for so long is because like I was like you know four and five years old mm-hmm. waking up I didn't know how to uh, how to I didn't have like an alarm or anything so I just sort yeah of I mean yeah when you're a kid it's the, it was that whole <laughs> yeah. thing of like 
you especially on the weekends like your parents wanted to sleep in and so like you like i remember like there was a routine of like me or my brother would wake up we would like open my parents door just stick our head in and say i'm up and then like go watch saturday morning (laughs) cartoons and like fix ourselves a bowl of cereal or whatever uh and let them sleep in a couple more hours um i remember uh there would always be a before on kids wb because like if i woke up at like 5 a.m or whatever sure. you know they're not showing cartoons yet oh god so yeah, be like yeah wake up so early they're be like an infomercials yeah it'd be like an hour-long infomercial about like buy gold or something right yeah <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like cool set, <laughs> just a little yeah, old me sitting set there it and forget it ron popiel <laughs> yep yep there you go there you go so what about um our best friend everybody's best friend Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Uh, what is your relationship with him? Yeah, uh, I don't ever remember watching Scooby-Doo on television. We sure. definitely had a selection of Scooby-Doo VHSs that we yeah. would watch uh, occasionally. Um, I do remember being like very confused by like the style and the laugh track of it all. Of like, where is yeah. the audience coming from? And like that sort of thing. Um, so I was definitely like aware of Scooby-Doo. And you know, whenever we would like go to my grandma's house who had cable or like would go over to a neighbor's or whatever, like being able to catch maybe like a little bit of like classic Hanna-Barbera on Boomerang or whatever um, yeah. was like a thing. But I don't ever remember like watching Scooby-Doo with actual commercial breaks or anything like that. Um, For sure. And then... I believe the first uh, Scooby-Doo live-action movie uh, I did see at the drive-in, is I believe is a memory I have of that movie. Um, I do remember the uh, the scrappy reveal in that movie very distinctly, sitting like... Like, our yeah. our, uh, our minivan, like, turned around with the seats sort of flipped down so we could sit in the trunk and, like, watch <laughs> it from there. Uh, and being uh, fairly mind-blown by the reveal there. Um... Uh, that's most of it, I think. Like, I ha- I watched Scoob, but I think I probably missed Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Uh, unless I maybe caught sections of it. It's one of the best movies ever made. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll catch it someday, maybe. Um, I think I've maybe seen bits and pieces of it. But um, that one, yeah. I, I mean, I do remember the marketing for that being like, oh, wow, they're, like, putting all the bad guys in this one. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, but that's really my main relationship with Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's just like... Uh, like a handful of like maybe like five or six like scooby-doo episodes or stories or whatever on vhs and then and seeing the first movie um i think is my main but he's like oh it's you know it's a he's a weird cultural touchstone for some reason that like for sure. and everyone like can do the voice or whatever so it was definitely There's... like uh, just like a common like cultural figure who i was very fluent in at least yeah there's really nothing else like it and uh, that's in the sense for how long it's been around and how persistent it has been. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's it's older than Star Wars. Like the only thing that compares really is Star Trek, but even that hasn't, you know, been on if the, like 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 there are gaps in between Star Trek shows. Right. right? Like and also like there's always a Scooby Doo show. Right. And I mean also there's like a greater variety of Star Trek product than there is of Scooby Doo yeah. product, yeah. I feel like like if you're doing Scooby Doo, you're basically doing one Scooby Doo formula, I feel like. Although I obviously I don't know much of the newer stuff, so maybe they've stepped away from the formula a little bit, but uh 
There, are, there have been a few attempts, but it, it very rarely uh, turns out well yeah. to, to ditch the formula. Yeah. Um, so the episode you picked this week is yes. uh, Sandy Duncan's Jekyll and Hyde. Now, what, may, what gravitated you towards this episode? Uh, you know, you sort of threw out the list to me and was like, hey, find like one that's interesting or whatever. And I like, yeah. I think there were a couple of names that I was like, maybe this, maybe that. And then I sort of just landed on Sandy Duncan because it's like, I'm not even like super familiar with her as like a performer, but like, she's yeah. someone who I see the name of and I'm like, oh, she's like, a, like an old Broadway gal. Like she has been yeah. in like a million musical theater things. Like I, my primary association with her is she's like, she was Peter Pan and Peter in like the, uh, the stage Peter Pan for like a million years. Um, yeah. And so I am a big musical theater fan and a big, like, Broadway buff and stuff. And so I just sort of have, like, residual affection towards anyone who I know is from that world, even if I'm not super familiar with them uh, in that world. So that was really what it was, was just like, hey, she seems like a cool lady who, like, does stuff that I tend to like. Um, And then, uh, just coincidentally, she is... um, one of the when the Muppet Show went up on Disney Plus, hers is one of the very early episodes. So I also in the last like month or so have seen that as well. But I don't really have like that much experience with like any of her work. I don't know if I've yeah. seen any of her movies. Like she did, she's yeah. did some animated stuff that I like am not super familiar with. Um, I don't think I've ever well, seen the Hogan uh... family. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it weird is that, you know, like, we, you know, you pick this episode because it's a Broadway episode or it's about a Broadway person. Right. But there's no mention of the theater whatsoever in this episode. No, it's a it's a yeah. it's a Hollywood story through and through. It's all the yeah. backlot story. The premise is that Sandy is making a, a movie of a film version of Jekyll and Hyde. And like I was looking into her stuff i was like well maybe i should watch a sandy duncan movie before this recording this right they're they're barely any like she was not a a movie person at all like she was a she was a broadway person first and foremost and then other normal people knew her from tv because she had a couple of tv shows yeah Um, and i mean i get like yeah she was and i think that's sort of how she comes off on the muppet show too is she's like a she's like a performer right she like uh yeah can do, like, comedy sketches and, like, musical numbers and stuff. Um, and, like, she, like, I think her biggest success was, like, sit, uh, it was on sitcoms uh, besides her stage work. Um, uh, but, yeah, it is interesting that they, like, choose to use her as, like, the nicest gal in Hollywood is, like, the characterization that they go with for some reason for her. Yeah, and, like, I looked it up. When this episode came out, she had made one movie and it was not a success at all (laughs) it just is an interesting decision because you know they did have other people who would have been in movies on the on this right i mean that's like the whole premise of this version of scooby-doo right is like scooby-doo gang meets a famous person every week like i feel like they're gonna do a lot of actors and so like why is she the one who they pick as like we have to do the backstage uh or back lot movie or uh, episode with her. It's a very very interesting decision. They could have done a very fun Phantom of the Opera riff. Sure. Right. Like like there are plenty of antics that Scooby and Shaggy can get into backstage or whatever. You know, getting tangled up in sandbags or whatever. Yeah, right? for sure. Like that's a 
they've done it before. Like, why not do it again? You know, yeah. like, I don't know. Um, it, w- about this show in particular. Yes, um, please enlighten me. It was the very first um, reboot of Scooby-Doo. Okay. So uh, this is only like a couple of years after the original Scooby-Doo Where Are You cartoon okay. ended. And um, it was obviously a huge, humongous hit, you know, um, like very popular with kids everywhere. And for this show, they um, they wanted to... to a, a big part of Scooby-Doo at this time was, was um, brand integration, really. Um, okay. So, like, uh, the first season, it's not really there. Um, but then the second season, after it got popular, is whenever they bring in the songs, right? Like, you know, like that classic thing that everybody remembers of, of like, a, a chase scene set to a song that it has nothing to do with the episode. Oh, sure. Just it's just, like, a pop. montage set to, like, a monkey's number right. or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a way to bring in the uh, the Warner's um, uh, the, music catalog into into, you know getting kids to like that so they might ask their parents to go buy a you know a casey of the sunshine band right i mean uh, which you know stuff warners is still trying to do to this day right space jam and new legacy is right all about like the magic of the warner brothers catalog right (laughs) exactly um so then that that i think inspired this uh this reboot where they were like well we can bring in some people from the warner family and then also branch out to other um to other c- celebrities as well to you know sort of not be as transparent about what we're trying here right mm-hmm. um which led to an interesting effect in that um it took a very long time for the episodes like sandy duncan's jekyll and hyde that are not um about warner people in the warner family to actually be syndicated and re-released like this episode is among a handful that were not available on home video until last year, and they still are not um, oh, really? streaming on the Boomerang service. Like you, like you had to go to YouTube to watch this um, to, yeah. to pay for it. Right. Um, and there's one the Adams Family episode still is not available on home video. There are uh, bootlegs of it out there. Um, right. that people can see but it is not available in any officially sanctioned just because form. of like mix-ups with the adams estate or yeah just yeah. just rights in general yeah. of the uh of everybody right. which is um so yeah this this whole bit is is kind of in a uh, weird limbo yeah but it is now finally viewable to the public um yeah i mean this and, one like and, it's not super wbe or like there's not like a lot of other yeah i mean i guess like the idea of doing a monster movie but that's more universal yeah yeah this one is definitely not a uh, a like you know when you get to uh to like the batman episode that makes sense right because it's right. like okay we want to get we got uh the uh the batman tv show on reruns we're, we're trying to get kids into into batman so they'll buy comic books yeah. and, and toys or whatever um so let's you know Let's get Batman in here. Sure. Um, Sandy Duncan, just in general, is an interesting choice for this show. I think. Yeah, um, it's just yeah. I guess it, she it's, was yeah, right. She was down to do kids stuff at the time. You know. I guess yeah, and I mean you know it's like. I guess 
she has like a reputation or something like and that or she's just willing to do it like um i mean well and that's the other thing is like she is one like the only person who has come back right in like a more she's the only person who is who is uh returned she's one of the only people who could right because she's still alive um i guess dick van dyke could he's still around right um she's yeah she's 75 um but still with us um i guess technically batman returned but (laughs) sure that's it (laughs) well batman will never die because he is too profitable exactly um yeah i but yeah i mean i guess you know i wonder if the pitch was just like well one of these episodes was gonna be back back at a, at a studio lot and like yeah. let's just get someone show busy and like doesn't yeah. really matter like just someone who is synonymous with showbiz um and uh she said yes i guess like that must yeah. like you know because i'm looking at some so, of these uh, other episodes as they are listed on yeah um on the uh apple tv store where i bought it and it's like I guess like comedians, like they had like Don yeah, Knotts yeah, yeah. and it, they have a lot of TV show comedians and weirdly country music stars who I guess the, uh, the sure. Warner Brothers um, music Warner Music Group wanted to you know get uh, kids into country music. I don't know why. I will tell you, um, this episode was not terrific but no. the uh the the country music ones are really bad <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah so uh you know take what you can get i guess uh, um, yeah <laughs> absolutely i mean yeah i guess we're gonna talk about the episode but yeah boy it's uh it's they really uh do not have a lot of story but they have a lot of time to tell no, it they in. do not <laughs> Um, yeah, let's uh, let let's go ahead and get right into it. Right. Um, so one thing that I like to do is give some context as to what was happening when this episode came out. Sure. Right. So this episode, uh, its original air date was October twenty first, nineteen seventy two. Okay. So it's nearly fifty years old, and um, the so some other things that were happening in the news in October of nineteen seventy two. Um, on Friday the 13th of October, so spooky day, right? Yes. Two passenger plane crashes occurred within hours of each other. Oh, that's horrible. On Friday the 13th. Yeah, very scary. And weirdly, I was looking through a lot of uh, plane crashes happened during this month. Uh, So, yeah, that's a cheery fun fact for you there. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um... Something a little less exciting. The very first after-school special is telecast. Oh. How about that? It was called The Last of the Curlews, which is a special in which a father and son go hunting and debate whether or not to kill an Eskimo curlew, which may be on the brink of dis- extinction. It's like some kind of a bird, oh. apparently. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then this will this to tie back into our our Broadway theme here. Yeah, the musical Pippin, uh-huh. directed by Bob Fosse. Absolutely, um, uh, Andy. In case you didn't know, Bob Fosse mm-hmm. is a a composer and a director. He's not a composer. All that jazz. Well, you know, whatever. A choreographer a is maybe the word you were thinking of. There you go. There you go. Yes. Yeah, and see, I'm educating you on this. Yeah. Andy. Uh-huh. He uh, he he made uh, Hello Dolly. Right? 
No. Or is that incorrect? That's incorrect. Oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, he made uh, Chicago, um, uh, Cabaret, uh, the movie uh, he directed. Um, other on stage work is uh, Sweet Charity. Um, uh, he did like a show called like Dancing. Uh, he did his stuff. Well, yeah. in. In October of 1972, the yeah. musical Pippin premiered. One on, of his biggest on onstage Broadway. successes, Pippin. Yes, it uh, says it yeah. proceeded to stage a 1,944 performance. Yes, an enormously a successful show. Uh, famously, one of the earliest shows to have a television commercial that like really moved tickets for it. Oh wow! Which he was very involved wow. in. Wow. Are you um, a Pippin fan? Uh, I like pippin okay i don't think it's one of my favorites i have i there's like a video taped version of the fossey production that like fossey disowned because they do a bad job of filming it that i have seen which is pretty good uh and then i also saw the re- tour of the revival and the thing about P- pippin is like a very like the director has a lot of power in that show in terms of how they shape it and stuff um so it was like a pretty different take on the show i believe the revival was uh and i had some problems with like i think the direction and the production um but i think there's like interesting stuff in that material and it can be really directed well um uh yeah that's those are my uh uh you know pocket thoughts on on pippin yeah cool okay um so now let's get into this uh (laughs) this very complex plot okay yes so uh the episode starts, and the setup this time is that the gang are going to see Sandy Duncan on set. Right. We don't know why they are invited. No. Nope. I don't think they don't explain it. They're, at all. No. They're, they, yeah. They they are they're pulling up to the studio back lot, and they are completely like minds blown by the idea of a studio back lot because the guard yes, yes, there's gives this, them directions and like he keeps set he's set, keeps saying like. You know, go right at uh, at Paris and turn and then turn left at Shanghai or whatever. And every time he names a new city, they're like one member of the Mystery Machine gang is like, "What? This? You're yeah, telling me all- I'm <laughs> gonna go right at Paris? Like they're so uh, yeah. so baffled by the idea of what a studio backlot is. It is a long runner. <laughs> like it's a very yes. long bit. It's almost like. They needed to pad out to hit the forty-minute mark. What? What? You think they didn't have enough stuff going on in this episode to fill out forty-five minutes for some reason? Why was the episode an hour? Like, why? Why was the show an hour long? Yeah, like, good, 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 good question. Um, it was to make it more prestigious. You know, they wanted to bring in. To, they wanted the parents to watch it as well because sure. they had had success of like adults watching the Flintstones. Right. Right. Um, for some reason, I guess, because you know, I guess there just wasn't any any cartoons for adults yet, so the, the Flintstones had to do. Yeah. Um, and they were really obsessed in the '70s with the concept of like an hour block. Right. Um, uh-huh. Eventually, they figure out that that it is simply untenable to to drag the Scooby Doo formula right. out to an hour. It's no good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they instead 
create like programming blocks where they where they pair it with another show. So there was like the Scooby Doo and Dino Mutt Hour right. or whatever. Yeah. Or Richie Rich. Sure. Um, and that makes more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think like has there what hour long animated kid shows have there ever been like even like what hour-long kids shows have there ever been like never saturday morning cartoons or anything it's always 30 minutes like it's yeah it does not work yeah uh a Um, truly baffling decision for uh the franchise of scooby-doo to force a single story to last for 45 minutes Yes, yes. Well, uh, as our millions of listeners will figure out over the course of this episode, um, they they succeed in every way, and it yes. is, and you definitely <laughs> cannot feel right the pacing or the length at all. Yeah, no, for sure. They definitely don't just add five different separate times where the gang gets separated and then has to find their way back to each other again to stretch out the episode. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like you say, the guard just lets him right in, gives him directions. Yes. Uh, you know, doesn't ask who they are or whatever. Right. And um, they, are, they are immediately accosted by a, a ghost, the first of many that we will meet in this episode. This fellow is uh, nondescript, just kind of a... Yeah, it's a, just like a, a dude in white, white guy. like yeah. with a white hood on. Yeah. It's like... I, I, I didn't think of a KKK mask until just this moment when I described it to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess kudos kudos on not evoking that too too much. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, it's just like a standard like guy in a white outfit to be a ghost. Um, and they're so scared that they you know like they jerk the the wheel of the van and they right. end up like like. And there's a dramatic car crash that the, you don't see any of. <laughs> yes, yes, and they are the the van is is horrifically wedged uh, uh, in the Venice Canal. Right, it's like toddling Um, on like a bridge. Uh, It is is a bad look. Looks uh, looks precarious and scary. And then they just get out and are like, well, guess we're stuck here. Like, they're not like, let's try to get this fixed. They're like, well, now we're here. Well, they have a singular goal, Andy, which is to see Sandy Duncan. Right, they're very excited to meet Sandy Duncan. Except then, uh, Sandy Duncan appears pretty quickly, and they are shocked yes. to see and meet Sandy Duncan when she does appear. Yes. <laughs> we find her, her running through the, the, the night, screaming for help, and right. for some reason the gang assumes that she is shooting her scene as this is happening, even though there are no... Cameras or no crew. crew. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, as soon as she she sees them, she uh, is no longer scared. <laughs> she's right. just like, it's, "Oh, hey, what's right. up?" It's the famous Scooby Gang. She's like, "Yeah, yeah." She like, I guess is vaguely familiar with them. Um, and I guess this is also well, around when maybe, they introduce the runner that Scooby Doo is in love with Sandy Duncan. Scooby like, is very has much, a big old crush uh, on her. Yeah, head over heels for Sandy Duncan. Yeah, um, which I will say. Uh, is curious because her character design in this is very much, I would say, unflattering. <laughs> yeah, it's real uh, teeth forward is what it is. Yeah, uh, She Absolutely. just has big old chompers when she smiles. Um, and it is like also like the standard like Scooby-Doo character design where the eyes are flesh-colored for some reason. Yeah. I assume for yeah. uh, cheapness sake. Um, uh, yeah, she does not look uh, particularly... Uh, uh, well rendered uh, in this in the no. show, <laughs> and it's and it's a shame because like you know like the gang 
look fine. They look like their standard designs, right? Sure. Um, but I guess they needed to make it clear that this is Sandy Duncan for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, so they, they I guess they wanted to accentuate her features. I guess, her, yeah. It's... Her winning smile is like, right. like number one. Because I mean, like, um, and that's like the characterization, right? She's just like, she's yeah, just so yeah. nice and accommodating and like wants to be nice and be friends with everybody. Is what yeah, Sandy, that's, Sandy Duncan's deal is. That's the whole bit. Yep. <laughs> um, which is fine, I guess, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Yes. Um, but uh, she informs us that she is... She has also seen a ghost. Um, right. So she's she was, you're right. she was rehearsing a scene in which she was calling for help. But then... Yes, her job was initially to say help, and then she was actually saying help. Right. It's a very clever turn, where for the reason that yeah. no one uh, came to help her. Yeah. Uh, so um, then she, but then she she's fine now. Yeah, you know, like there are no problems. We don't see the ghost. And right, no one's like, like we should like find this ghost figure. They're like, well, yeah. we got to get back to it. We got to finish making this movie. Yeah. So they go to the set. Right. And uh, we find well before this. Sandy gives us a very detailed uh, uh, rundown of the remaining shots that are left to film. Like it is right. Like she goes <laughs> in depth as to what they have left to shoot. Yeah, and is this is like it... where we find out like they're almost done? They ha- yes. there has been constant problems in production, um, but they're yes, and also like it is established that like. The, the the this back lot is like almost out of commission, yes. right? Yes, that... it is. It is fascinating in that they've like one night left of shooting, and then the the uh, the studio Mammoth Studios, yes, is going to be, which is apparently like historic, like basically at MGM, like stand-in or whatever, uh-huh. uh, is going to be torn down to build a quote super supermarket. So they're building like a sure. super Walmart on it or whatever, right? Um, which is interesting, yeah. Especially since as the episode gets going, we learn the scale of this. Place it is an enormous of a, piece of yeah. land uh, with many different uh, unique environments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we meet um, our. We very quickly meet our our uh, cast of. There's uh, so many fucking suspects. characters in this thing. Can I swear on this? I'm sorry yeah. if I can't. Yeah, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. It is a uh, like like they just run through like three or four people. Yeah, and they and, just, and Sandy's like, uh, well, this guy of uh, you know hates my co-star. This guy is upset because we're he doesn't like what we're doing, like the show or whatever. And this guy just uh, doesn't like making movies and <laughs> like <laughs> whatever. Right. Yeah. Everyone yeah. is introduced with a motive. Uh, it is very lazy yeah. mystery setup. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Exposition. <laughs> um, and we also meet um, Sandy's stunt up. Right. Who comes out um, in her wig already. And, like, it's going to become a plot point that, um... I always get the Daphne or Velma, whichever one. It's Daphne. I apologize. Yeah. I know this is probably, like, the worst thing I can do on this podcast is get Daphne and Velma mixed up. Um, You're good. Uh, but, she, right, she's not... It will be a plot point that the, it, the the costume that Sandy Duncan and her stunt double are wearing make them, them look exactly like Daphne. But it is just kind of confusing at first when her stunt double comes it, it, out and just yeah. looks like Daphne. <laughs> It does. It does not help that she 
is voiced by the same voice actress <laughs> who voices Daphne. Like she's putting on a a minutely different voice, but it is clear that they were just like, well, we've only got the two female voice actors, might as well, <laughs> like you know, just have have Daphne's voice actor voice this character who looks exactly like her, right. and it is definitely very confusing. Yes, in the scenes where they are both in it together. Yes. Um, and also, Sandy Duncan's character has to wear a red wig in the movie. Right. Which makes her look exactly right. Like and the, Yeah, right. Face. Once she, like, gets the wig on, I'm, it makes sense, like, why the stunt double looks exactly yeah. like Daphne. But, like, until that yeah. point, I was like, why does the stunt double look exactly like Daphne? Like, what are we doing yeah. with this? Like, what's going on yeah. here? But, uh, you know, you could tell the difference between Sandy and Daphne is because Sandy has those crazy teeth. Yes. <laughs> um so you know we uh we we shoot this um we shoot this scene and uh scooby senses that something is wrong right he spots uh, like a mysterious figure in the shadows with a rope yes and and uh the these this figure tries to kill sandy which um is very curious because it does not track with his motivations for the rest of the episode. No, when the when the motive, yeah, the ending reveal does not really offer much clarity. And in fact, the ending reveal really kind of made me mad. We'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely um, get into the of, of who it is, is the culprit behind movie. all this. I was very frustrated by that reveal. Yeah, it is. It is an insane ending to this. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So his plan to kill her is to in the middle of the scene just pull a. a a wire attached to a lamppost that will fall on her head, I guess? Right. She's, like, gonna hit her mark, and it's gonna, like, knock her out dead. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, Scooby jumps in right. to save the day. He intervenes and, and, and makes her miss her mark. Down. And she's like, oh, thank you. And I thought this would be a conflict. <laughs> I thought that this would introduce... You know, that mm-hmm. that now the director does not like the mystery game because Scooby-Doo messed up their shot and he would think that, like, he knocked over the, the Right, it would be a comedic and... misunderstanding that, like, he didn't understand exactly. that, like, Scooby saved Sandy Duncan's life. But no, there is um, not a lot of conflict in this episode until I would say the last five minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, no, like, all the... It's so puzzling because... Every character who is not Sandy Duncan is given, like, a reason to for you to suspect them, right? Or to be suspicious yeah. of them. But then, yeah. like, none of them do anything. Yes. Uh, in fact, Sandy Duncan doesn't do anything. No. <laughs> like, she's there for maybe five minutes at the start and, like, ten minutes at the end. And then right. We'll get into what the, that middle chunk is, because believe me, it, it, is, is... it is a rip-roaring good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You love um, uh, hallways. But, Get excited, folks! <laughs> um, but naturally, this is you know this scares off the uh, the right um, our our villain of the stunt of, double. Of the yeah, this is just this is the, the straw that breaks the camel's back on a history of, of terrible um, problem production problems. So the stunt double quits. So of course, who are we gonna get? Right. They bring in Daphne, and Daphne immediately um, puts on the costume, even though they're not going to shoot her scene until like seven a.m. in the morning, which I find right. very interesting. The like the passage of time in this episode 
Yeah, All extremely little, puzzling. Little, <laughs> yeah, a little baffling, I would say. Um, um, but yeah, so like, you know, this is just one too many things. We're going to wrap up shooting. Right. And day. like, you, I guess the, the main other characters we've met are like the producer guy and the director guy. And like the yeah. producer guy is just like a like rich the, guy or whatever co-star. who like wants every who's like it, talks about organization, um, and then the director is like an Eastern European guy. How would you describe this director character? Uh, I mean, he is. Uh, I guess he's a grumpy Eastern European man who um, yeah. I, wants more smoke always. Is I think yeah. his main. I'm not thing. really sure. Not really sure of what the analog here is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like who they're going for from like classic Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Know. I have no idea. But maybe, um, yeah, maybe Frank Welker just knew how to do a right, like a vaguely. Yeah, it's like kind of a big character, I guess. Like, and which is like is what you want in a mystery, right? You want everyone yeah. to be memorable. It is a cartoon, yeah, after right, all. yeah. Um. So so this at this point I was confused as to what anybody was doing <laughs> yes <laughs> because, we're also you know, like everybody yeah. Oh, yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead you go ahead we're also coming up on a point where there was at one point there were two uh jokes in a row that used the exact same joke construction where it was like talk about a what about blah blah they used that like two times in a row with from two different people like with no like heightening or anything it was just two separate like talk about a, blah, a rainy day or whatever like i forget what the exact punchline of each one was but it was very um weird to me that they would just use the same joke two times in a row without doing anything with that yeah uh, curious thing i would say yes <laughs> um so you know the the film everybody working on the movie just vanishes <laughs> like they are mm-hmm. they're, gone from the from the story for the next like 20 minutes yes and um you know we it's it's late at night so we assume maybe the, the gang are going to go back to their hotel or whatever um and but for you know first they got to fix the van but guess what the van's been Somebody fixed else? yeah <laughs> someone uh turned it around and it's this is a very strange scene because they're just like well, it's pointing towards the exit, so that means they want us to leave, but that means we're not going to leave. <laughs> exactly. Someone has miraculously lifted this probably like two, three ton van right. out of this 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 very... Uh, it, it, it was really wedged in there, right? So like it, was, it, it would take probably like a crane. A crane yeah, you would need something. equipment yeah. to move the car. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, somehow, somehow it is it is out of this this ditch and and set up on on the on the bridge facing away, which they take as a warning. And, right, you know, and sc- not just Scooby- like here is your car, I fixed it for you. Like, yeah. like that would be my interpretation. Is just like, oh, someone fixed yeah. my car. Thank you, stranger. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, the mystery gang, uh, they. You know, they do not take kindly to warnings. They, right. they want to invest. Like, here's the exit. <laughs> yep. Yep. What a ominous warning. This is the way out of this place. Maybe you want to leave. Yep. So um, so it's time to do 
some investigation. Yes. Which which means they're going to look at this lamppost for like five minutes straight and accomplish absolutely nothing. Right. They Yeah, <laughs> there's no like scientific investigation, certainly. They're not like looking for footprints or like dusting for for yeah. for fingerprints or like there's there's not like they're not like good investigators they just like go to where something shady has happened and like walk around for a while and are like hmm i wonder what could yeah. it what could have been in fact um the mystery in- mystery incorporated yes does not find a single clue this entire episode no, not there's really. One, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's one clue that is found very late in the movie right. and it is found by Sandy Duncan. <laughs> yeah. And I mean like yeah, they they occasionally stumble into trap doors is like the yes, the, exactly. the main thing that they do. <laughs> Which happens here um they they somehow um find a a trap door beneath a a bench or a bush or something. Right. I think, and, and it's the, like you see the bad guy pull a lever to open it, right? Yes. yes. And then yes, Sca- this, uh, uh, Scooby and Shaggy fall in. The other, which which starts the uh, the the main meat of this episode. Right. This is like the key moment of like the gang has been separated from each other, which is will be the recurring theme throughout this episode. Is the gang has been yep. separated from each other. Because um, really, yeah. this is really an episode about how they are all codependent and can't survive without each other uh, constantly in their sights at all times. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Scooby and Shaggy follow this tunnel, right? Um, and which... this is also very confusing because they are told, um, like, keep shouting as you go through the tunnel because yeah. we'll like follow it along with you, and then that does not happen. And also, they know how they they saw where they fell in. Right. So they they could investigate for an opening, or Scooby and Shaggy could just like push on the trap door. Right. Or There's like a little bit of that, and then it's I guess it's just like locked or whatever. But like you yeah. can like like you don't need them like. There's they do not take the proper approach to to whatever this situation is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Scooby and Shaggy go wandering through the tunnel, and they they show up in the desert. Right. There's no real sense of how long the tunnel is, I don't really feel like. But I guess it is very long because they are just convinced they are in, like, a totally, completely new, separate, like, country or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, can you blame them? Because this desert desert set, it's a set, obviously, is vast. It's (laughs) so huge. Um, Like unbelievably large yes like just like dunes as far as the eye can see um and then they come across a pyramid no no you're you're missing a very important part Uh, before they come across the pyramid they are introduced to our first um our first oh right they like uh like an evil sheik it's a dude dressed up like a sheik. They call him the freaky sheik. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Very sensitive. You know, th- so they see this guy. They're on, a, you know, they're on a movie set. Right. They see this guy dressed up like a sheik. Right. He's not. He doesn't seem to be. You know, indicating he's going to uh, hurt them in any way, or nor does he look scary. Like it's not like a zombie. No. Sheik. He doesn't have like. He's red just eyes a guy. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that is scary enough. Right. A sheik, 
you know, he's got he's got the, the dark brown skin. Exactly. He's an other. We we must run away. Exactly. <laughs> Scary enough for them to immediately run. Right. They they stumble across a dune buggy right. full of gas and it's desert. Right, yeah. Shaggy just <laughs> and, gets in and is like, Scooby, hurry up, get in. Like this is definitely gonna yeah, work. And that and then they just start driving. And that leads to, you know, some antics of them driving around or whatever. And then they come across... This pyramid. As you say, a pyramid. As any logical person would assume it was, it looks exactly like a pyramid. Yes. Shaped like a pyramid. We're in the desert. Gotta be a pyramid. Yes. Um, but our pal Shaggy... Uh, of course. Um, the logical conclusion for this character. A quote crazy refresh he says quote dig that crazy refreshment stand yes um a entirely baffling joke why does he think it is a refreshment stand i do not understand what indication he he is getting that makes him think that the only the only yeah i mean like you know people make hackney jokes about shaggy being like a stoner or whatever yeah but that is the only logical explanation for this. Yes. Is that he is on something. Right. And it can't be. Right. And then on. they like <laughs> investigate the pyramid more and are like, where is the entrance to the refreshment stand? And like yeah. when none yeah. appears, they're like, what a weird refreshment stand this is that doesn't have an entrance. And it's like, no, and, and guys, it just, like it's yeah. not a refreshment stand. What are you talking about? <laughs> And it just keeps going. Like they they enter the place and like like a, a door magically opens or whatever. So right, like two of the and, bricks like slide open on the bottom or something. Yeah. And Shaggy starts looking at these hieroglyphics and is like, "Well, this is a groovy menu or whatever." Right, or a weird it, place but... to put the menu. It's like... Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like he sees some wine or whatever in the in the in the etchings, and he's like, "Well, grape juice. That sounds good. We're in the desert. I'm thirsty." Um, Right. No waiter comes, even though he asks for a garçon, but as he pronounces it, a garkin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a funny joke. Right. I did like that. I don't know if that was just Casey Kasem not knowing how to pronounce it or if it was a joke, but either way, sure. it, it made me laugh. Yeah. Um, and then the final, you know, the, the, the real punch-up to this joke is that he puts a coin in a sarcophagus. Right, he walks over to, yeah, to a sarcophagus and like to get his drink or whatever. It opens, he sees a mummy. Now, you know, Scooby and Shaggy have seen mummies before. They've been scared by them. Right, But this time he assumes it is a a waiter who just came back from the hospital. (laughs) Right. That's the, right. The immediate impulse is, oh, no wonder the service is so slow. All the waiters here are completely covered in bandages because they just got back from the hospital. Which is really... um, you know, you should leave a you should leave a pretty big tip if that is the case. I'm yes, for sure. <laughs> um, but the uh, the you know the but whenever the mummy makes noise, then they finally realize it's a mummy, so they get scared. They run away. <sighs> they they wind up in a uh, in a room with with no exit, except for an entryway. Where, which a live lion right. crawls out. There's a lion that's going to attack them and eat them. Um, which, you know, that, that scares them, but the lion, they jump out of the way and the lion crashes into the wall and breaks into a million pieces. And, right, and is revealed to be a mechanical lion. Yeah, which is a, ro- uh, a moment that 
really made me laugh. The, the moment of the the lion just colliding with the wall and falling apart into, yeah. into just like, I, I do, yeah. Imagine how so, much, like, money someone spent, like, making that lion. Yeah. Like, which is yeah. apparently a completely realistic mechanical lion. And only to have it after its intended victims jump one time away, it completely disintegrates into a billion pieces yeah. upon collision with the wall. Like, we'll meet other monsters in this episode, and they usually have, like, at least two minutes of business, but right. this lion is, like, is like in yeah. and out. Like, it is... And there is, is a cut... One yeah, shot to there the is next. a cutaway to a guy operating the mechanical lion. At like yes, a big, yes, uh, and I would like to talk about this, because okay. I don't think we should talk about who the villain is yet, because it is a very fun reveal at the end. Um, sure. You know, fun's one word right, for it, yes. I guess. It's a reveal, but certainly. it is... Yeah. It is explicit that it is one person doing all of this right yes so we are to believe that because correct me if i'm wrong but it is he it is not the guy in the mummy costume working the controls of this animatronic robot like he's back in the is he back in the white suit or is he uh i yeah he definitely does not appear to be the mummy uh right maybe he's the sheik i can't remember but either way um he 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 Takes off. He has time to take off the mummy right. costume. The fastest. Put on another costume. Yes. Uh, no, and, get, and, and get behind the controls of this lion in what is probably about thirty seconds. I would say. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Yes. What a king, I guess. Which I feel like that's like baked into the cake with Scooby Doo a little bit, right? Like yeah, it's always yeah, yeah. like about. It, it it is like that is definitely a thing. Yes. but it is a, the mechanics a, of like how how and when the villains are yeah. able to like move through space and time never really stands but up it to is, scrutiny. Yeah, but it is definitely a um, it stretches the uh, the realms of you know disbelief as far as they will go. For sure, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but we are now halfway through the plot of this episode, right? Um. So it's time for a fun little quiz, okay, Andy. So this is called Scooby or Not Scooby, and okay. the way it works is I'm gonna read you some titles, uh-huh. and you have to tell me if they are a Scooby Doo episode or not. And the um, the theme for this episode I, I crafted specifically for you. Oh. It is is it a Scooby Doo episode or an off Broadway play? Oh, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. So the first one is the High School Wolfman's Musical Lament. That is not a Scooby Doo episode. That is an off Broadway play. You are incorrect. That is a Scooby Doo episode. All right. That one I have not watched yet, but it is one of the episodes of the new uh, guest show. Okay, um, and it is the Christian Slater episode. Of course. So, I you know I'm sure that uh, kids that one is love real... Christian Slater. They love yeah, him. exactly exactly, and that one will be a real. They all watched uh, the wife, and we're like, can't get enough of that Christian Slater character. Exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, moving on, Madam Aphrodite. That is not a Scooby Doo episode. You're correct. Yes. That is a that is an off Broadway play. Yes. Okay. Good. I've redeemed myself somewhat. All right. <laughs> Next one is Hollywood Nights uh, with an exclamation point and Nights is spelled with a K. That's got to be a Scooby Doo episode. That is yes yes okay. yes. Um, moving on, Naked Boys Singing. Oh, that's an off Broadway play. 
<laughs> I have not seen Naked Boys be... sitting, singing, but it is a fairly unkillable show that has been running for years, although not during the pandemic. Would be quite the episode of Scooby-Doo. Yes. Um, moving on. The Wolves in the Walls. Wolves in the Wall. Well, I mean, if things are in walls, that's got to be a Scooby-Doo episode. Uh, just an off-Broadway play. God damn it. Uh, you're really, you're really killing it. All right, all right. <laughs> okay, uh, next one: American Goth. G O T H. Yes, Goth. Uh, that's got to be a play. That's a Scooby Doo episode. For God's sake! All right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Zombie time. Scooby Doo episode. Off Broadway play. <laughs> all right, keep going. Let's go. How about this one? Some Fred time. Some Fred time? Oh, boy. like Fred. Well, Fred, famously a Scooby-Doo character. Um, But in all... An episode devoted just to Fred sounds terrible. Because he is clearly the worst character on Scooby-Doo. I'm going to say it's a play. That is an episode of Scooby-Doo. God damn it. You are incorrect. I tricked you. Um, <laughs> moving on, Giant Killer Shark, the musical. That's got to be a play. That's a play. Great. Good work. Okay. Good work. Last one. Okay. The Horrible Haunted Hospital of Dr. Phrineas Frag! Exclamation point. That's a Scooby-Doo episode. That is a Scooby-Doo nice. episode. Good All right. Ended on a good right. note. <laughs> Fun little diversion Absolutely. there. Um, that was very you, fun. I was, you uh, did okay. Yes, I did not totally embarrass myself. It's a good thing that we broke this up because uh, the you know we're back into just like fifteen more minutes of antics. Um, yes, so, I guess yeah. The next like they cut to uh, now we're with Fred and Daphne. Right, it's Fred and Daphne. Who have separated with Velma for some reason? I guess we don't to find know why. Them. We have no, yeah, we have literally no reason. They're like, where is she? And we have no, right. no implication as to what what happened here. Yes, <laughs> you know. And so they just they end up like in the pirate area of the backlog. Well, you would say it's a pirate area because it's menaced by a pirate. Yes, but they are actually in, as they say, Shanghai. That's right? true. They say Shanghai. Too many um, times in this episode of Scooby Doo, and as soon as they say, "Oh, look, we're in Shanghai," I immediately—I don't know about you, but I was immediately um, uh, gritting my teeth, like waiting for what it, what the next monster will be. Yeah, judging by our our interaction with the Sheik prior to this. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> yes, it was good, um, good, probably going to be something culturally insensitive. Yeah, and especially in nineteen. 19- 71 72 right. scooby-doo is uh not does not have a good track record of asian representation i, I can say. certainly imagine <laughs> yes <laughs> um but no it is just for some reason uh uh just uh, a pirate again this guy does not look like a scary ghost pirate no you know this is not a pirates of the caribbean situation he just is a dude Wearing like he only vaguely looks like a pirate, even. Yeah, he's he, wearing like a do rag and has an earring. Right, <laughs> he has like a vest. Too, baby. Uh, he is an entirely lame villain. He like is so yeah. easy to evade. They like have to like walk through, like they have to like run for like three seconds, 
And then, like... But believe me, they take their time here. Yeah. Like, with this pirate. There's some business where they, they knock some barrels over. Right. They hop in a... Uh, they throw a, a cannonball at him and, like, break the floor yeah. in front of him. Yeah. There is a very funny bit here, though, where... Um, or maybe not that funny, but it made me laugh. <laughs> where, uh, you know, like... That they've 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 lost him. They're in the boat now, and and you know the the pirates looking around for him, and and Daphne sees him, points, and goes, Fred, look, and and Fred very sternly goes, cut that out, you kook, like to Daphne, like <laughs> like oh no, he's gonna see us now that you're you dumb girl, you you pointed to right. you pointed this out. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, okay, Fred, and, um, and the pirate just is on a sinking pirate ship not doing anything about it right yeah. like that's like how they dispatch with the pirate yeah. is he just yeah, like yeah, yeah. goes down with the ship i guess and as soon as that happens then we're met with a quote real life imitation movie dragon yes the giant dragon for some reason um that breathes fire and we, we do see inside of it it is a person operating it it's a person dressed up in a different pirate costume yes um, so again, he sinks under the ocean, puts on a different costume, gets in the, into the mouth of this dragon. Right. And this uh, me- giant and, mechanical dragon, which apparently like doesn't totally need him to be operating it because they're like, yeah. Spoiler alert. Like they like, he exits the dragon after they defeat it. And, but like the dragon continues yeah. to like move and blink and stuff. Uh, even when, after he has exited the dragon, uh, and is no longer operating it. Yeah, not a lot of uh, stuff going on with this dragon. Yes. It's, I mean, if <laughs> it was real, it would be an incredible feat of mechanical engineering because it seems yes, and also um, as a Scooby Doo monster, very exciting, you know, for sure. Like, like we've seen we've seen mummies before, we've seen pirates before. Um, you know, a dragon is, if I was a kid in 1972, I'd be like, whoa, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, but they spend the least amount of time on the cool dragon. Right. <laughs> they right. We they to... eventually, like, they, like, ram into it or something, and then it just, like, trips yeah, backwards I... until it falls into the water. Sure. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But then we cut to Velma, who is in the far-off land of Philadelphia. Yes, her line where she just says, figures I'd end up in Philadelphia... With the cadence of that being a joke of some sort, but like, what is the joke there? Like, there's nothing about her, her that's inherently like Philadelphia-ish. Like, yep, yep. Um, and what's the monster in Philadelphia? You might ask. Well, guess what? It's the pirate again. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same one. Right. The one we've just seen. He's made it over to the Philadelphia set, and now he's chasing Velma great wonderful um but uh you know that doesn't last very long and she she reunites with fred and daphne yes after their boat takes them all the way from shanghai to philadelphia um and what happens next is they keep going until they uh collide once again with shaggy and scooby in alaska again was very nervous about this, but it is not a like an Eskimo ghost or whatever. It is a um, it's a werewolf that they see for right a few seconds. Yes, a very brief werewolf appearance. Um, and um, what happens next is truly baffling. That the next yes. bits of dialogue 
so that I had to like I had to rewind. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Until I finally came to like I, I I did some research, and I believe we are looking at a a deleted scene situation that was just lost in syndication or something. Oh, okay, that makes because sense. what happens is you know Shaggy and Scooby are running through the desert. They jump through a a like through the screen like through transom or whatever like the backdrop and they uh they they arrive in alaska now we're all together i will say it is funny that the the desert set and the snow set look exactly the same yes absolutely <laughs> uh, like um, like it is it it is not immediately apparent that they have switched sets now right um but they have this whole dialogue exchange about running away from king kong right yes <laughs> like like Fred's like, well, you were on a miniature movie set. That's why he looks so big, or whatever. And, but we did not see King Kong. No, there's no King Kong. And also, like one Fred's <laughs> interpretation of what happened also does not make sense. I feel like, like none of it makes it, sense. Yeah, it is makes absolutely no sense because yes. he's like, well, you know, the way they shot those old monster movies is they would have a guy in a suit on a on a tiny city set or whatever. Right. But um, in the intro to Scooby Doo. The new Scooby-Doo movies. There is a brief clip of Shaggy and Scooby being chased by a giant gorilla, which I assuming is is cut from this. I see this scene that theoretically would have happened that we did not see. Yes. Um, so, like, going by that one shot, we we are to believe that this this gorilla is giant, right? Like, it right. is a King Kong-sized gorilla, and Fred's explanation makes zero sense. Yes, absolutely none. It does not, yeah. It um, does not satisfy what uh, Shaggy's concerns are at all. Yeah, but uh, they, which I mean, I just I have to know how do the Hanna Barbera writers think a movie set works, right? Yeah, like because these sets are huge, like unbelievably large. We don't see any film equipment or anything on them, right? It just right. is. We are in, it's like a Disneyland version of Shanghai. Yeah. Right? Like it's like, right. would be out of Epcot or whatever. Um, or, you know, like the desert, who even knows how big that thing is. Um, and like the Philadelphia set is connected to the, the Shanghai set by uh, by a sea, right? It just, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And like, there are lots of fun antics that can happen on a movie set, right? <laughs> like, that right. is a fun playground for a Scooby-Doo episode. For sure, uh, yeah, absolutely. But it just is not... Uh, it is explored in a very curious way. Um, yes. So now they are scared once again um, by a frightening grizzly bear. And I... Yes. I made a note here. Um, what are we fucking doing here? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, this, I was like, point, "Is the bear supposed like, to be what the King Kong was?" But like, no. Yeah, it's at this just, point, it's, it's like, uh, what it's is a bear. going on? Why do we have the werewolf for him just to be replaced by a bear in the next bit? What is what is the point of any of this? But you know, whatever. They run away. Now they're in a wild west. Set. Yes. Boy, um, oh boy, and you know what's coming yeah, when they're they on are, a wild west set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. When they reached a Wild West set, my radar did not go off. Because I was like, oh, they're going to see a scary cowboy ghost or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but nope. They see a, uh, a, a Indian chief um, 
that frightens them. Right. And starts firing arrows at them. Yeah, very cool. They are, like, uh, the, the most, they are fully in, like, mortal danger, I feel like. Yes, 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 yes. The 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 fire-breathing dragon, you know. Right. They they could they dealt with that very very simply, but this uh this this chief yes was so frightening that they run away and once again they the gang gets divided. They get separated. I don't know how. Oh no. What will they do? And this part is just bananas stupid <laughs> right <laughs> it's just let's do that again opposite... like what, what what was the problem we had yeah. before okay well let's, let's do it again they run into opposite open doors right it's not even a different configuration shaggy. this time it's the exact same yes. split like jesus yes shaggy and scooby run into a jail and lock themselves up for some reason yeah and um and the the rest of the gang enter into a bank right which and is then fun. whatever right which I guess has like security measures or whatever. But also, I was completely baffled that at this point, they were just like, "Well, I guess we're spending the night here." I was like, "What?" <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thelma's like, "Man," or or Daphne's like, "Man, it's late. I I gotta work in the morning. I should I should go to bed or whatever." <laughs> it's like there's people out there actively trying to kill you. Like, why is now yes. the time to? take a break till yes. morning like what's going on gang like I, I i mean we are are i guess supposed to believe that they are locked into the into the bank somehow like the bank will open um, right because we like we do see scooby-doo lock them up in the in the in the right they're like locked cell. in the jail cell <laughs> yeah can't fault him for that he's a dog he doesn't know anything right of course <laughs> um so like what you would think would happen is that, you know, the gang would leave the bank and then unlock them or whatever. But instead, they sit up against the wall, and this is, like, the only bit right. in the in the Of clever, like, backstage, like, like, playfulness yeah. of, like, taking And this was the only bit that I, like, genuinely laughed at right. and, like, thought was fun. Because, like, the joke is that, you know, they're up against the wall, they can't see each other, and they start answering each other. So like, right, because the walls Fred, are so thin because yeah. it's just a movie set, exactly. so they're able to like hear each other. So Shaggy other. thinks Fred is talking to her and Scooby, or to him, and, and Velma thinks that, that Fred's voice sounds like Scooby's voice, and it's just a fun little bit of business. Right. But then, as you say, the, uh, the timeline of this episode, it makes no sense because we are treated to like Hours later, hours have gone by. Right, They've they like they, right. They're they're like, well, everyone sleep okay, and they're like, no, we slept terribly. Yeah, because we were sleeping in a imitation jail cell, right? right? Like, so they yeah they um, just stop like while they are still separated, have a full night of like sleepless night where they are attempting to sleep, and then when the morning comes, yeah. they're like, hey, we should figure out how to hook back up with each other. Yeah, it's now seven a.m. And they uh, they finally decide that they're going to break out of this thing by um, by pushing on the wall, right? Yes. Their method of doing this makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, because... yeah, I mean, it, it what it it the way it ends up being, it seems like it would have to be that that wall was a trick wall that was supposed to be able to rotate all along, which I don't think yeah. would be the case. It doesn't make sense for that to be the case. Um, yeah, they deduce that the wall between them is the flimsiest. Right. Right. And so they Which each sort of get they, on the opposite ends and, like, push. 
yeah, and which which doesn't make any sense because if you're gonna push over a wall, why don't you just get the side with three people on it to push with no interference from the other, right? Right. <laughs> like that would make more sense. Um, also, you break down the wall in front of you, you're still trapped inside this building. Yes, also <laughs> um, true. Yes, there's no like, exit guaranteed on either side of the wall because it's the they're each trapped on each side. It's very silly. Yeah, but what instead happens is, you know, a, a beautifully animated bit of them breaking, the, like, like the wall spins around right. with them inside this, this cartoon tornado. Yeah, and then they the burst entire, through the wall and it, like, yeah, and it, like, propellers. The entire facade of this building collapses. Yes. And for some reason, the entire crew of the movie that Sandy Duncan is filming is right outside of this building. Right. And they're like, there you are. Like, we've been looking all over for you. It's time for you to, like, they're, talk to Daphne. And, yeah. like, or, like, you got to get in the costume. It's time for work. Yeah. <laughs> Your call time was two hours right. ago. Right. <laughs> like, um, and, uh, yeah, no one is, like, you. <laughs> that concerned except for Sandy Duncan. Everyone else is just kind of annoyed that she wasn't there. Yeah. And Sandy Duncan is just like, oh, great. Like, now we've solved the problem. And, like, no one is like, why were you stuck there all? Like, why were you there? Like, how long have you been here? Like, you just destroyed a set. Yeah. Like, what are, you gonna, what are we going to do about it? I guess, I guess the whole thing is slated to be destroyed, so no one's too concerned about one set being, like, destroyed. But it's also, like, why are they filming in that area? None of it makes any sense. And mind you, we are now... Yeah, because they're filming... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and it's not like a, a Western interpretation, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> that makes, makes no sense. All of it makes no yes. sense. And we are now 28 minutes into this episode, and we have accomplished nothing. <laughs> Literally Right. We nothing. are still, like, the, we are still at, like, this is the premise of the episode. Like, essentially. Yeah, Velma, Velma, like, literally apologizes to Sandy. She's like, we could figure anything out. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just, literally just 20 minutes of diversion. Yeah. Which is, I guess, fine. Right. But it definitely got a little long in the tooth there yeah. at the end. So then, um, yeah, so then we get to another, like, filming sequence where, again, it's yeah. like... They are trying to, like, provide a little bit of fleshing out for all of the side characters, I guess, yeah. again. But it's still, like, too confusing. Like, I wrote down, like, there are too many characters. I can't keep track of who any of these people are. Um, We'd be able to if, like, they did anything. Yeah. <laughs> if they weren't just, like, named characters who have one or two lines yeah. in a scene, yeah. right? Um, Especially because we are at, we are still under the understanding at this point that one of these three people right. or four people is our villain yes right, right. that is Which the expectation because you're spending time with them and they all the have case. a clear motivation for why they would right. not want um, uh why why they might be making things go wrong here so now we finally get to the reveal of mr hyde right um, yes um Again, uh, another villain that has actually been on scooby-doo before already like we're all like there have only been at this point there have only been roughly 20, maybe 30 episodes of Scooby-Doo total, right? Sure. And um, amongst villains that we have already seen in the show, we have seen a, a ghost in all white. We have seen a mm -hmm. pirate. We have seen a mummy. We have seen a Native American chief. And... Um, and we've seen a Mr. Hyde. So, like, if you want to do the whole bit of we're on movie set, this is a fun chance to 
to you know play with, right. with to do like all the monsters before. Yeah. yeah or like we've you know we've never we we can't come up with a full-fledged plot for this monster or whatever we could just throw it in here now would be the time right but instead they just kind of don't really do that which you know whatever i guess um it's bet i guess it's better to have a variety of, of monsters than be like all the other episodes of this series which is a 40 minute episode spent with one monster where they have to just keep doing the same bit over and over again yeah, like if you're just gonna do the gang runs away from a guy in a mask for 30 minutes straight and then solve a mystery right. at least the fact that it's a different guy in a different mask each time is, right. is something right, right? Then, yes. <laughs> that at least provides some variety um but this is like maybe one of the only semi-compelling parts of the episode right is this uh this daphne business yes um, although it is still confusing because it involves yes. lookalikes and body doubles and stuff so it's still like who is what and what it's... is happening um so as 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 sandy told us earlier in the episode this they're filming the scene where the uh mr hyde monster throws her stunt double over the railing yes right um big action scene of whatever this movie will eventually be and daphne's the stunt double don't think she has any training in falling off of buildings you know no. safely but whatever that doesn't matter she looks like she's young she'll bounce back. back it's fine yeah exactly exactly um so there's i did not find the daphne part confusing what i found confusing was the mr hyde part. yes <laughs> because there is a the uh the actor playing mr hyde in the scenes b the stunt double for that guy and c the monster mr hyde who is unrelated to them right who, who has dressed up as mr hyde Carver. in order to enact his devilish plan yes yes um so you know we have this bit where you know on on the set as they are filming the the fake mr hyde is is uh accosting daphne in front of everybody yeah and she's screaming for help and even though there are two mr hyde standing with them watching this like the two guys who are actually part of the movie are watching the, this right take place with the gang and the director right um <laughs> they're all just like man she's really going for it but she's ruining the scene like she's supposed to be over here instead of over there or whatever yeah it does not ring <laughs> alarm just... bells for anyone it's uh very concerning no, as to no. what everyone's awareness is on the set yeah but eventually he uh he kidnaps her or whatever and uh he leaves behind a ransom note yes um saying that if you ever uh, want if you ever want to see sandy duncan again then do not close down this movie studio. Right. So um, he thinks he has captured Sandy Duncan. Yes. And uh, is wants them to keep doing productions, I guess. Yeah. Which, um, if that is the case, Andy, yeah. then why did he try to kill her five minutes into the episode it's an excellent question i think it's an unknowable question <laughs> yeah i, I mean i guess the only like the on only that. thing is like he has come up with a new plan in the last like eight hours while they, everyone else was sleeping uh in the jail cell in so. the bank vault yeah i guess so <laughs> um 
<laughs> so that that happens, and now Sandy Duncan's in. She's like, "Well, we gotta fix this, right? You know, I'm coming with you guys. We're going to do some real investigating. Yes, and by real investigating, they're gonna get split up. Okay. Right, they're gonna go to a, another set of hallways." And then somehow the group will get separated through a trapdoor or hidden hidden room situation. Yeah, yeah. they find some trapdoor. Shaggy and Sandy are together. It's a light bulb string that like that Scooby pulls or whatever, right? Like that's the thing that triggers the trapdoor. And they are now in the props department, right? Um, Which uh, yeah, also that's the thing. Like the trapdoor leads to the prop room, like. It's yeah. like a not like it's a not hidden thing. like it's a thing that is on a movie st- lot that like people yeah. would need to know about how to get there uh, and not have it be hidden from view through a trap door or whatever. And now, thirty two minutes into this episode, <laughs> Sandy Duncan finds our one and only clue. Right, and it is a stretch to call it a clue. Yes, they just right because I mean it would have been it was obvious from the ransom note that this is what must have happened. She finds some newspapers with with pages cut out of it or whatever, like prop newspapers, and she's like, "Well, he must have made the ransom note here," which doesn't tell you anything. That tells us literally because like everyone has access to this area. I feel like like. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And like we we saw that the ransom note was cut out of things anyway. Right. So like that's a shock. Yeah. We did dust for fingerprints to figure out who might have done right. this, right? Yeah. It's uh, a useless it's, clue, it sucks. Uh, Sandy Duncan. Uh, you... But thanks, thanks for trying. Yeah. Anyway. I I'm um, not rec- I'm really... not recommending that Sandy Duncan joins the mystery machine gang yeah. full time. <laughs> I have written on my notes. Some more bullshit happens, and then we meet Daphne and Mr. Hyde on the case. And by that, I mean there's some more w- time wasted with them trying to rewrite. Right. It's like, yeah, another five minutes killed of them being like, how do we get back together with each other? Of, like, them, like, yeah. yelling through walls and stuff. That's, like, like a full third of this episode is people, like, yelling at each other through walls so they can try to find yeah. each other again. Like, it's insane. I c- Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, um, I kind of, the other part of this I really liked is the bit with Daphne and uh, Mr. Jekyll together. Yeah. Um, so they, he's taken her to the top of some castle set. Right. And um, for some reason there is a ski lift as a part of this Yes. Because it's in the snowy mountains that, that, that takes the, the gang up there, right? Right. So, uh, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, that the the Mr. Hyde is talking to Daphne. She's all gagged up, so she can't respond. He still thinks she's Sandy Duncan. Right. And uh, he's he's kind of a nice guy. He's pretty funny. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, I'm not uh, gonna hurt you, Sandy. Like, uh, don't worry. Like, I just want to make sure. Yeah, like, don't they worry. don't shut Everything's this down. Everything's fine. Yeah. And then he looks out the window and sees the kids right. riding up on the on the. Uh, and I kept watching like the... a sucker. I kept watching because you see the ski lift operating through the window. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. am I gonna see the gang like th- on in the background?" And of course not. Like you have to like cut to like no, a close no. up of them in a cheap, uh, yeah, an- cheaply animated like ski lift uh, box that's its own shot. Yeah. Um, but as soon as he sees them out the window, he's like in the middle of a sentence, and he just goes, <sighs> "Like he's like in the middle of telling her, yeah, you're gonna be fine, don't worry.'" And then he sees them, and he's like, 
oh gosh. <laughs> so he, he, you know, then he takes hit and he takes her, and they now they leave the 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 castle set, and there's some more business where the gang is sledding down the set, chasing after him. Right. And, they all. He's uh, in a car. Right. Yeah. And then they just get yeah. on like a toboggan. Yeah. Which I've. This is the second toboggan in the episode. I forgot to uh, mention earlier when they are in Alaska, <laughs> they make Scooby pull all four of them on a dog sled. Yeah. Like just Scooby pulls all four grown adults, or you know, you know, maybe teenagers, but probably adults, on the back of this this toboggan, and <laughs> it's like. Mm-hmm. That's a little mean, don't you think? You can just walk. <laughs> like they weren't even like running away from anything. They just were. They just told him to mush, as it were. But anyways, sorry. Back to the the riveting plot at hand. The they make it to yet another set. They're in a graveyard now, and Velma has a very dark line here. <laughs> Shaggy's like, "Where are we now?" And Velma says. Just where I thought we'd turn up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's like, geez, okay, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's going on here? Um, they, they finally, um, they need to, you know, trap the monster or whatever, so they finally decide to use the fact that Daphne looks exactly like, um, Sandy Duncan. Like Sandy Duncan to their own benefit. They have, like, a little bit where, you know, Sandy starts talking from outside the mausoleum where where he's keeping her so you know the, the guy gets all confused he opens the door shaggy and scooby just like gently push him into an open casket and that's it yeah <laughs> like they, there's no elaborate root goldberg trap right. there's nothing no yeah it's, it's like, like after all this it's it yeah because it's like they're like oh over. have we filled the 45 minutes like great like let's wrap it up then like it's like that's really like what it feels like it's like so now andy we finally have to talk about this so infuriating the most infuriating thing in the world (laughs) so who's under the mask they open it up and his name is is it what is it zowar it is xavier xavier Z z fairchild Yes. A name never spoken previously in the episode. No. Uh, we have never heard of him. He is like a f- actor who disappeared years ago. They say he is the he was the biggest silent movie right. star, and that he vanished some years right. ago. Right. So this is like a rich character who they are now just introducing. Um, Genuinely, a great concept. Yes. Seed that in that the episode. Yeah. We don't need so many like people running through hallways. Like, give us a little yeah, backstory about this like, guy throughout the whole thing. Yeah, like the legend of Xavier Z Fairchild. Right. Whatever would be awesome. Would be fun color. Would be uh, just like a way to play with the classical Hollywood stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, no. they are introduce <laughs> him in this moment and say like what his whole deal was. And, like, he's and been game, secretly living on the lot for decades, I guess. And the gang solved nothing. They did right. nothing. Yes. They found no clues. They did not know this person existed up until now. They didn't know who was under the, the, right. the mask. Sandy Duncan is the one off. who recognizes him, right? Yeah, yeah. 
They they accomplished nothing yeah. this entire episode. Just it's baffling. Really, yeah. They're they're yeah, they're they're just awful. Um and then of course like Sandy is characterized as like, oh, like we gotta help this guy. Like as she's like yeah. explaining his backstory or whatever, she has to like come across as like the nicest, most caring, and most understanding person in the world. Um Yeah, she goes like, Don't worry, nobody was really hurt. He didn't do anything wrong. It's like what are you talking Sandy, about? Sandy almost died. <laughs> he tried to kill you. He tried to roast Fred and Daphne alive. Yeah. He shot arrows at all five of the kids. Yes. Like <laughs> He has been using deadly force the whole time. Yes. Maybe nobody was hurt, but they were certainly in the position to be. Yes. <laughs> and beyond that, um, he probably caused a lot of, you know, damage to this this property and i don't know the laws of living beneath a uh, a film studio for a long time but i can't imagine that like the studio head would be just chill with that right, right. Like, yeah no he's probably uh, not supposed to be living there i would agree yes <laughs> but no they uh, they gave him a job and that's cool. Right. Just and then, like, weird. is the studio, like, is the backlot saved? Like, I'm not clear on that at all. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it doesn't Cause... matter because they only have one scene left to shoot, and they do. And they give a, they give a role to all the... Right. Every, all, every one of the Scooby kids. gang is in the movie now. In Even though Scooby-Doo looks ridiculous in, like, walking into a carriage or whatever. Like, it makes no sense that all yeah. these people would be in the yeah. scene. Um, well, you know, in the last scene, the uh, the the female lead of the movie gets a great Dane, and that's fine. Sure. Um, so yeah, that happens, and, that's and then that's like the end of the, like the stuff, and then there's just some banter about like Scooby's a movie star now, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And then just, and then, like but then they're like, bit. well, like or like Sandy Duncan offers to like take Scooby with her to her next oh, movie. Oh, yes, yes. But then... She's filming her next movie in the dangerous, darkest Africa. Right, yeah. A wonderful phrase. Love the phrase, darkest Africa, to appear in my children's entertainment. Um, yeah. The... Right. And so, they, like, essentially, like, Scooby's into it, because he's, in, like, is, wants to be in love with Sandy Duncan forever. Except then they're like, oh, except then there will be a lot of other animals there. And Scooby's, like, scared of rhinoceroses or whatever. So he's like, I'd rather stay with my gang and deal with ghosts than deal with rhinoceroses. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> well, you know, like, a rhino can actually hurt you, you know? It doesn't just I, chase you yes. moaning. Right. I mean, yeah. If the rhino is as competent as the ghosts they encounter, I feel like he would be fine. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's, that's the episode. Me. It's a bad episode of television, a bad episode of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> I think. Um, it is, it it's is, time. the pacing is abysmal, and it really just yeah. does feel like they don't know what to do to fill out their time uh, at their budget level. For sure. Uh, it's time for a game, Andy. To, Let's uh, do to, it. Let's play it. To take game. our mind off of that. This game is called Jinkies or Stinkies. Oh boy, okay. And the, the uh, premise of the game is that every week I find some stories or facts related to the topic of the episode. Yeah. And some of them will be real and some I will have made okay. up. Okay. Now, 
for this week um, because Sandy Duncan's a Broadway star. I yeah. thought it would be a Broadway episode. So I came up with um, some plays that are real and some plays that are fake. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So these are all plays that, that premiered on either um, Broadway or the West End. Okay. Okay? Great. So first up, we have Triassic Park. While this might sound like a Jurassic Park ripoff, it is in fact something much more bizarre. A complex meditation on the interplay between science and religion, as well as the inevitable degeneration of dogma. The plot follows the fallout of in a society of all female dinosaurs when one of them suddenly becomes male. Uh, I believe that is real. That's a Jinkies, I believe. I believe I that have the album yes. for that show on my computer. I have not listened. Is it good? Sounds bizarre. Yes, for sure. Okay, moving on. Um, while Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is one of the most famous Broadway disasters, yes. it is not the only Broadway musical to be based off of a comic book hero. That's true. In 1966, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman played on Broadway for roughly four months. Yes. The show included such dazzling musical numbers as It's Super Nice, So Long, Big Guy, and It's Super... I wrote it twice. And It's Super Nice. Yes. <laughs> that one's real. That is real, okay. yes. Oh, um, that, you know, that, was, that was a question. Yes. You've got possibilities well, of tremendous thing. song from that show that everyone should check out. Here's the thing, Andy. Um, I'm realizing now that I forgot to come up with fake ones. Okay. And uh, you're going to know all of them anyway because you know all the Broadway shows. <laughs> So, uh, this week is going to be Jinkies or Stinkies. Oops, all Jinkies. <laughs> we love an oops all. We absolutely do. Yep. Uh, critics declared Broadway musical Hot Feet to be lost somewhere in the sea between dull mediocrity and unmitigated disaster. It seems they were not won over by the premise of a Red Shoes adaptation in modern-day New York, Set to a score of Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. Yes, that was right. That's right. That's the Earth, Wind, and Fire musical. Have you heard that one? I have not heard that one, no. Other than just like hearing, uh, uh, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the world of like catalog jukebox musicals is a very strange one. Yeah. Uh, last one that I did a write-up for, the rampant crassness of American television inspired the West End production Jerry Springer, the Opera. Oh, sure, yes. This irreverent musical features a series of, let's say, insensitive depictions of typical Springer guests, mm -hmm. including a grown man who loves to dress like a baby and a man who is cheating on his fiancée with a cross-dresser. All of this culminates in the final act when Springer is shot and sent to hell, where he continues his program with Jesus, Mary, and Adam and Eve as his guests. Right, like the devil is a major um, character in Jerry Springer the Opera, I believe. That makes sense. Um, other ones that you know exist that I did not do write-ups of are like uh, the Carrie musical sure. that was famously a disaster, mm -hmm. um, or like they uh, couldn't figure out how to. Um, drop the blood on her head without uh, shorting out the microphones and things like that. Right. <laughs> and uh, you have, like, obviously Spider-Man, and mm -hmm. there's the, uh, the comedic um, the comedic musical of Silence of the Lambs. It's just called Silence. Yes, I saw that. 
Is that one good? Uh, I had a good time at it. It was my first exposure to the Silence of the Lambs story. I had not seen the movie before I seen it, which oh, was maybe wow. a mistake. Wow. Um, but it was like campy maybe. fun, I it think. Is. Yeah, uh, yeah. It a lot of weird stuff on yeah. uh, on on Broadway for sure. For sure, yeah. The one Sorry. the wonderful world of parody musicals is a. Uh, yeah. Uh, so many like very like obviously like commercial cash grabs where it's just like The Office, a musical parody, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like you just like want to make money from people who like The Office. Like you have not put any real artistry into this, maybe. Yeah. Um, but you know, more power to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I should. I mean, I haven't seen it, so maybe it's great. Who knows? Apologies if you're listening and you created The Office a musical parody and you're offended by my characterization of what your artistic endeavors. <laughs> um, so, sorry that I boffed the quiz. That's fine. I always love uh, hearing to, uh... about uh, obscure Broadway flops, <laughs> flops and uh, establishing my bona fides about uh, weird uh, musicals, yeah, yeah. for sure. You would have won anyway because you knew all the ones that yeah. I picked, so it's all good. Um, so... But, you know, you didn't do well at the other quiz. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, yes. I I had a great time. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Well, before you leave, it's, we have to rate this episode on a tier list. I don't think it's going to fare very well. Sure. Let's do it anyway. Um, The absolute top tier um, best episodes of Scooby-Doo, that is the Golden Scoob tier. At, under that is the groovy tier. That's for episodes that we like a lot, that are very fun, but they just might not, you know, make it into the absolute creme de la creme. Sure. Then you, in the middle, is it's just another mystery. So it's like you know, just run of the mill standard episode, not bad, but it doesn't really do anything all that special. Mm-hmm. The one beneath that is Scooby Dumb. That's for. Uh, episodes that are dumb, like episodes that we don't like, but aren't you know the absolute worst thing. They're not you know maybe they're not offensive or they're sure. not just you. You might be able to watch it again, and then the very absolute bottom is the rut row tier. That's for just the uh, just some the worst of the worst. So yes, I think we're looking at the bottom two here. Um, yes, <laughs> where are you thinking? I I mean, I guess I would probably lean towards the second bottom one. Yeah. Like I, I think so. Too. I wasn't like like I wasn't like, oh my god, this is like the most offensive thing I've ever seen. It was just like, man, this is like just got nothing. Like it's just got nothing going on. Yeah. Uh yeah. believe me, there it does it does get worse than this one. <laughs> I can I can <laughs> certainly believe it. A, that, and like there's certainly they flirt with some offensive things in this, but I don't think it like lingers on them uh yeah, in a way yeah. where they maybe could. So I would yeah, I would probably advocate for yeah, that second second to last tier. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um that's a good place to put it. And I think that's it for us. Andy, do you have anything you would like to plug any social media or maybe a podcast about film festivals? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M, uh, on most social media platforms. And you can listen to my podcast about film festivals, Can I Kick It?, which comes out every Friday. 
uh, when we're on top of things and we talk about film festivals and Great the movies podcast. who played them. Uh, we have a lot of different like formats. Sometimes we're more newsy. Sometimes we have uh, some fun and do like a jury uh, of a slate of movies, like a simulated jury of a slate of movies where we all have to agree on what awards to give everything and we get Strongly. really um, it's a good time. Yeah. Strongly recommend Can I Kick It? It's a great podcast. A lot more professional than this one. Come on. Um, very glad that you came on this show, Andy, and that you sat through all 40 minutes of that episode to, to chat about it with me. I think that's very sweet, and I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. A, a great honor and a great pleasure. You got it. Um, you can follow me on social media at the Real Brundine. You can follow the podcast at Heavy Metal Pod on Twitter. And if you liked this episode, you want to hear more, feel free to subscribe and you know rate us and review us if you would feel so inclined. And until next time, stay groovy, you meddling kids. Ha, 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 ha.